0: Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network. We're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio, as always, by my good friend in golf sicko, Mr. Jonathan Teal. JT, we have got an incredibly special YSO pod today, don't we?
1: Man, I am excited about getting this one out to the world. Uh, first of all, great to be with you, as always. Great to be talking golf. I uh, very, very rarely will let anything get in the way of my crimson and cream alliance. But the golf that is played in this state by the other programs at the college level is one of those. And I'm just thrilled that we get to uh, have a very special guest from Oklahoma State on
0: absolutely Uh, the uh, intro song they're a little different than what our listeners are probably uh, accustomed to by now but obviously oklahoma state fight song and we have been fortunate enough to be joined by the oklahoma state head coach of the golf program coach alan bratton we we were able to sit down with him and do a 45 minute interview he was incredibly gracious with his time Uh, fantastic stories we kind of run the whole gamut with him i asked some goofy uh, silly questions jtl dives into the uh, the golf nerddom part of it but i really think our listeners are are going to enjoy this one, right, JT?
1: They will absolutely enjoy it. I knew they would enjoy it when we were able to schedule them. We kind of kept our fingers crossed. Didn't want to. Yeah, jinx we, didn't, it. we didn't want
0: to talk about it because um, we were afraid we would screw it up. We,
1: we've got it in the can, and uh, it is even better than I could have imagined. Uh, so I, I say let's get right to it. Uh, I know that we always like to give a little bit of love to Chalk before we dive in here. So uh, tell us what's going on at Chalk before we dive in with Coach Coach Bratton.
0: Absolutely. Can't forget about those guys. Obviously, the best sponsor in the best sports bar in the business, ladies and gentlemen. But Chalk Luxury Sports Bar, of course we know. Uh, Chisholm Creek Plaza, 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow those guys on the web at ChalkOKC.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC. And remember now, we've got a big-time drawing contest going on with the guys at Chalk. Remember, play more golf, eat more chalk, go out, play golf, bring in your scorecard, write YSO pod. You're still out. Uh, let, something to let the server know that you're a friend of the pod, a listener of the pod. You'll get half off your burger and sandwich, and you'll also be entered into a drawing for a table for four on Master Sunday there at Chalk. I think, it's, I think we're getting about 200 bucks too, Got right? of dollars your, in chalk credit. Yeah, you're yeah. going
1: to be covered. That's going to take you to the back nine on Sunday. When hopefully our man Tiger's making a run, Hovland maybe be right there, a DJ repeat. Who knows what's going to happen? I know I'm excited. Frankly, uh, I may be, uh, the excitement of this for this pod is there. I say we get right to it without further delay, without further ado which we could go on and on. Let's get right to Coach Alan Bratton, Oklahoma State University head golf coach.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're super excited to have a very special YSO podcast this afternoon. We've got Oklahoma State head golf coach Alan Bratton joining us. Super, super excited about this, Coach. Thank you so much for for spending the afternoon with us, and uh, we're ready to talk some Oklahoma State golf. I know you are as well, sir.
2: Yeah, thanks, Keith. I'm always up uh, up for that. OSU golf's been a big part of my life for a long, long time. And I'm proud to be the leader of the program. And it's, it's great to visit with you guys.
0: Oh, that's awesome, coach. Well, again, now, now JT and I, we've done a little digging into your background and we know a little bit about the history, obviously played at Oklahoma State. For our listeners out there that, that maybe know you as the head coach of Oklahoma State, before we get into that, you'll give us a backstory as to how you got into the game of golf. You know, maybe when you got first introduced to it, a little bit about your playing career, obviously, and then kind of what brought you back to Oklahoma State in this head coaching role.
2: Yeah. I don't come from a family of golfers. No, no one in my family played golf. Some of them play now because I started to play. But, uh, when I was five years old, my dad had a set of clubs in the garage, even though he would play about once a year. And my brother's five years older than me. We were smacking balls around in the backyard and I was behind him. He told me to move back a little bit. And, um, as a typical little brother, I did, but then when he went to swing, I moved right back up and took a club to the left forehead, got soaked, <laughs> And uh, so my introduction to the game was a concussion, five stitches, and a trip to the doctor's office. And then my dad came home later that day. He left work early. On his way home, a uh, lady ran a stop sign and crushed him in the car. So he had a cut almost exactly like mine on the other side of the forehead and got stitched up by the same doctor same day. So um, – <laughs> You know, they, he said, hey, I had a little boy in here with the same last name this morning. You say, yeah, it's my son. So uh, clearly the DHS had to come visit our house shortly <laughs> after that. Um, but uh, that was my first introduction to the game. And then first time I ever played, I was I was 11. I had made a all-star baseball team as a kid, and my family was going on vacation. And I couldn't go. Of course, you know, typical deal. They left me at home. They weren't going to short their vacation. So I stayed with some friends who were golfers and uh, we lost out in the baseball tournament. They introduced me to the game, and I, I kind of got hooked from the start. I played pretty good right away, and then I had played other sports, basketball, football, baseball, and I started to quit those things because I felt like golf was what I was good at and what I really wanted to do and felt like maybe that was something I could do in college. So each year I kind of cut other things out. To By the time I was in high school, uh, I was just playing golf, and um I regret that now. I wish that I had continued to play. Um, I played a little baseball on through, but not for the school. Uh, in hindsight, I would have kept playing that stuff because I didn't get to do it again. But, but it served me well. I had a nice uh, junior career. I won the state championship in Texas and um, got Mike Holder's attention and was recruited to Oklahoma State, which that's where I had always wanted to go when I first started following the game of golf, 1985, 1986. That's where all the good players were going. And uh, Scott Verplank was winning an event on the PGA tour as an amateur in 1985. And then in 1986, Bob Tway won four times and won the PGA championship. So I hoped that I would be, you know, that was kind of the gold standard for me uh, of where to go play in college. And fortunately uh, coach Holder saw me play and, and took an interest and, and I ended up coming and playing at Oklahoma state and, um, you know, was a part of some really, really good teams. We won two national championships while I was here, one year when I redshirted and one when I played and and um, was a four-time All-American and had a nice amateur career. Uh, thought I'd play the tour forever, but uh, ended up I got my tour card for the 1999 season, but I sucked as a tour player. <laughs> I, I lost my card that year. I finished 200th on the money list and uh, played the – corn Ferry tour the next year and lost my card and we started a family that year. So, um, I decided there were other things I could do and make a living. And so I ended up trying to get into coaching. Coaching was what I wanted to do. And at that time, uh, Texas A&M was hiring a golf coach and that's where I grew up. And I thought maybe I should be qualified to be a golf coach and maybe they would hire me. And, uh, I didn't get that job, but I ended up getting a job at ping and, um, worked at paying in their tour department for three years before coming back to coach at Oklahoma state.
1: Well, I think that the last several years have been well, well documented success at Oklahoma state during, uh, during your tenure and uh, obviously highlighted uh, by the, uh, the stacked roster of Hoblin, Wolf and then Ekro when he, when he was a little younger, but coming into this year, you know, having at least by our count, uh, 12 to 13 uh, guys on your roster, either freshmen or sophomores, I know that may be a little bit, a misnomer with the with the COVID extension and things like that. But you know, Ekrope being the elder statesman, so to speak, as a junior, kind of know about Gupta from his USAM run, but kind of who else can I speak to that youth? And then uh, who else on the team you counting on to have a big spring?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's an awkward – all the line – or all the rosters around the country, it's a little bit awkward now with COVID, with everyone getting that year of eligibility back. You know, we had guys – play tournaments, but then obviously then that kind of counts as a redshirt year since you get that year of eligibility back. So uh, we actually do have a lot of depth on the team and experience that doesn't look that way because there's some kids listed as sophomores that, you know, have actually already played two full seasons. So, you know, one guy to, to, uh, to, that I think is going to make a mark and has already started to this semester is Brian Stark. He played every tournament for us last year as a freshman. But again, he's going to benefit in that now he's got still four years of eligibility left. He's uh, really starting to come into his own. He's played very well in Stillwater and hasn't quite taken it on the road. But our first event this spring, he just finished in the top 10. Uh, we have a transfer uh, from Wake Forest, Eugenio Chikara. Uh, same thing. He's a proven player. He's he's played all around the world, been very highly ranked, and, and had played well for two years at, at Wake Forest, but wanted a change of scenery, so we were the beneficiary of that. And uh, in the fall, he played very well uh, as well and didn't quite take it on the road like he would want to, and he started the spring with a runner-up finish. So um, Rasmus Neargaard peterson should be a factor for us this spring. Amund's going to be a factor. Another freshman, Bo Jim has transitioned to college nicely. He was a highly ranked junior player. And Leo Oyo is another transfer that we had that was an All-American at San Diego State who just made our, his first start for us at our last event as well. So I really don't know exactly where all the production's going to come from. We've got a lot of depth, which is great. And that's the key to team success is, is having that depth. And we're still looking for who's going to rise from that. But I love you know what I saw from Brian and... Eugenio at the first event and they gave, uh, you know, they should provide great support for our leader in Austin. You know, it's great to have one of the best players in the country and no doubt uh, we have that in, in Austin.
0: Coach, you know, you mentioned that uh, the the last week's event or the first event of the year right down in uh, Jacksonville at the Team Aquana, I believe is how you pronounce that. Now, you had mentioned that you didn't get a chance to go down there in person uh, due to COVID protocols and stuff, but, you know, after the event is over with now, kind of looking back on it, how, you know, what's your assessment of the guys' performance down there? You know, what, how do you build off that kind of getting momentum in that intro event uh, to kind of kick off the season?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get to make the trip because as we were, on the way to the airport, I found out that my son had tested positive, so I've been in quarantine for the last couple of weeks. So, so I got to be like any other fan out here, uh, clicking on golf stat <laughs> yeah. every few minutes to see how our guys are <laughs> no, doing. doing <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a two-day event, so you play 36 holes the first day, and we dug a little bit of a hole the first day, but had a nice – I think we shot the, the low final round. Uh, to move up and and um, finish fourth, but we were only four shots behind, and that was with Austin not having a good performance. He had a poor first day and then played well the the final round. But um, I love seeing the production that we got out of Brian and Eugenio. if, if they'll uh, I think their performance was very much just who they are. I don't think that was any kind of exceptional performance from them. I just think that's who they are. and obviously uh, Austin had an abnormal performance if he plays, the way he normally does, then we're right there probably winning the tournament. So excited to see what we can do next time out. We leave next week and I get out of quarantine just in time to go on the trip. We go to uh, Houston to play in the all American, which is a, a tournament with a lot of history that OSU's played for a long time. Back when Houston had great teams, that was the best tournament going, uh, but we haven't been back in a number of years, but it's at a PJ tour venue. It's a very strong field, a big 12 heavy field, OU will be there, Baylor, Texas, um, which our conference this year is clearly the, the number one conference in the country with some of the, some of the top teams. So always good to, to test ourselves against a, f- a field like that on a golf course like that. So I'm excited to see, see what we can do.
1: In the run-up to these events and as you kind of have the fall season and take a little bit of a break, coming back into the spring, just give us kind of an overall sense of what what practice – looks like at the collegiate level H- how do you structure it does everybody kind of gather as a group and go to work on their own separate games non-tournament week versus tournament week and then on top of all that um, a lot of questions there I don't know how has COVID changed that if in any way
2: yeah you know most of our practices are individual at least in 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 their structure you know it's not it's not like you're calling plays you don't have to have people know you know, where they're supposed to be. So we'll get together in groups and compete on things, but each practice is generally more tailored to the individual, what that guy needs and how they want to work. So you might have another couple of teammates there and we might be in the same spot, but working on different things. So uh, practices are individualized and then we'll come together as a group and compete as well. In addition to workouts that you're going to do things like that. So uh, as far as COVID golf's pretty conducive to, social distancing, you're outside, you don't have to be uh, sharing the same space. Um, you have to adjust a little bit, maybe some of your pairings as we, we did that in the fall when we had some guys positive and, and some not. You needed to keep people separated a little bit in case you had someone come up positive so the contact tracing didn't take you out of being able to compete. So we, we have to be a little bit aware of that. It, it's affected more of the way we travel. You know, we drove to events in the fall that we wouldn't normally do. We'll do that again in the spring. We adjusted our schedule a little bit. We have to adjust our schedule in the weight room a little bit, again, with the groups of who you have and, you know, you're wearing masks and things like that. So certainly it's changed things, but I think we've all adapted and gotten used to that. And um, so far, so good. We've had a a good fall. We've built momentum with each event. And I think the same even starting this spring. You know, we didn't win the tournament, but we've continued to build momentum. And when we travel next week, we're going to send our team to Houston, but then we're going to send some individuals to play uh, in Palm Springs. So we're going to get to see nine different guys out on the road, uh, which will be good experience for all of them as we, you know, head into the rest of the semester.
0: Well, Coach, you you mentioned the weight room there and kind of the rotation as to, you know, training regimes and things of that nature. You know, it's about the time that, you know, you were probably playing, you know, we can think about the mid 90s, late 90s, that the strength and conditioning part of golf really become a much, much bigger part of the game. You know, what would you say is the breakdown proportionately between, you know, for your athletes as to what they spend, you know, on the in the practice areas versus the golf course versus the weight room?
2: yeah I mean, at the end of the day, they're golfers, so it's not like we're spending more time in the weight room, but but that's a big part of it. You want to create good habits. They're at an age where you can really make some great gains in um, strength and speed and and all those kind of things, and then set them up for injury prevention down the road. So everybody's embraced the fitness aspect of the game. And, like you said, we were doing that when I was in school. Coach holder was always a forward thinker and you know, golfs and athletics uh, event. And uh, we like to recruit multi-sport athletes. The stronger, the faster, the more durable you are, the better. Um, so we train that way. We train like athletes. We're moving weight around. Um, we're fortunate we've got two great strength coaches, Jonathan Moore and, and Jake Manzelman. And, um, you know, we train as an overall athlete. And then I don't want our guys, you know, people can talk golf-specific things. We certainly have some – Golf specific areas that we work on, but that's more individual specific to their bodies and how they move and to complement the things that they want to do as a golfer. But then we want to train them as athletes. You know, so we're in the weight room three or four days a week um, doing that. And again, they're there as a group, but they've got individualized programs to them and different elements of that program to help them move better as well as be stronger and faster and more durable. And then we've got some guys again different guys have different commitment levels there as well, so there's some very individual programs there. And then you're going to spend time on the golf course and in the practice area. I mean, I don't I don't know how to percentage-wise divide that up. Some guys like to play a little bit more, some guys like to practice, but all of it is kind of play practice. I try to limit their Just golf, people tend to just think about the golf swing and, and their technique. We're working on the things that help you play the game better and score your ball better. And, um, you either have to do that on the golf course or simulating the golf course in your, in your practice, whether that's with technology, with a track man or in a practice area, those kind of things. So we're fortunate. We've got a hardworking group of guys. We're fortunate. We own our own golf course, so we've got access all the time and everything's convenient. So, and then with school basically being virtual now, there's even more time for those guys. So we've got a great group that loves to be at the golf course, loves to compete. And uh, I'm really excited about the potential of this group.
1: Well, I love that you said, you know, ultimately we're golfers here. So let's get into some golf. uh, What I would affectionately recall uh, referred to as golf sicko type questions about golf architecture, golf courses, golf experiences. And the first of those is give me a sense of uh, the excitement level uh, that the team has for getting to play at Prairie Dunes, big 12 championship venue for this year. And maybe even, um, you know, what's the mix of guys on the team that have an appreciation for that kind of golf course architecture, Perry Maxwell, give us a sense of of the excitement there and and how they get excited for certain golf courses and maybe not some others.
2: Yeah, I mean, Prairie Dunes is a special place. Anybody that's been there, I mean, if you don't get a a kind of a warm feeling pulling in there and and grow your love of golf, there's really something wrong and you need to go do something else. (laughs) Um, I've been fortunate that when I was in school, we played the Big 8 there every single year. So I played it four years in a row and – I was fortunate to have a lot of success there for our team and as an individual. Uh, So I have wonderful uh, memories and feelings from there. And then for uh, many years after that, we started playing there in 1992. And the Big Eight was there every year, I think, all the way until maybe 2003. So a lot of history uh, of our teams there Perry Maxwell is such a great architect. We're blessed in the state of Oklahoma to have a lot of Perry Maxwell courses. Unfortunately, people have gone in and redesigned a lot of them, which is just crazy. But uh, they've left Prairie Dunes alone. And we only have one guy, I think, on our team that's played it. Uh, and that's Austin. But, um, you know, it's a demanding golf course, even though it's short. Uh, there's a lot of talk about distance these days. But uh, Prairie Dunes still has plenty of teeth. And and there's it's not through the distance. It's the uh, design of the greens and, and then the conditions up there in April, you're going to get some wind and you have to control your ball. So uh, the team that can control their irons, flight their ball in the wind, you know, and, and handle the adversity that gets thrown out there is who's going to win. So, you know, we'll be talking about that and trying to get them fired up and understand the visuals and what it looks like without going up there. We're not allowed to go play the golf course for a year prior so but we have a lot of experience there we i've coached there multiple times we played the national championship there in 2014 we played the big big 12 there the last time in in 2017 so uh lots of good has happened for oklahoma state there and i would expect nothing different this year
1: yeah very well said I think that you, you mentioned something about wind. Uh, next place we're going to has plenty of it, and I think one of your guys got to experience plenty of it out at the U.S. Amateur. Bandon Dunes, give us a sense. You know, the great thing I think about amateur golf, probably golf in general, is that uh, you, you get to learn about folks uh, that you otherwise didn't know, and certainly on Gupta, at the top of that list, coming off of 2020. Uh, you know, by all accounts, probably not the guy that most people thought would make a run in the U.S. Am had a great week and uh, give us a little bit of sense of his run at Bandon. Was that your first time at Bandon? And then I'm very interested in, I know you had the, the good fortune of getting to caddy for one of your guys. And so I'd like to learn a little bit about what that process looks like for not either who, who you choose, who chooses you. How does that, how does that play out?
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, Bandon Dunes is, is a cool place too. I mean, if you're going to go on a golf trip with your buddies, band and dunes a great place to go it's it's not a great place to take your um your wife there's nothing for women to do there but if you're a golf junkie they've kind of got it all so I had been to band dunes before I played the 2007 um mid amateur there and uh, that still leaves a bad taste in my mouth because I felt like I was playing good enough to win that tournament and I gave it away I lost in a playoff in the second round and one of my former teammates ended up winning uh, the mid-am that week, Trip Keeney, but I felt like I was playing good enough to win. It does inspire you out there. I mean, it's built for the wind. And uh, that week when I played, there were the weather was diabolical. And this, this year at the USAM, especially the, the first round of stroke play, I mean, the wind blew like mad. And uh, you asked about caddying, uh, you know, how we choose who we're going to go with really it's kind of up to the players. Um they ask. And um, you know, usually then if you've had success with a guy one year, he's kinda got first dibs for the for the following year unless he fires you, I guess. <laughs> and um you know, I, I had caddied for Victor Obviously I've been fortunate I've caddied for two guys when they won the US amateur, Peter Uline and um Victor Hovlin. And Peter That was the first, around that time, they didn't used to let us caddy in the summer. And I played the U.S. Amateur in 2006. I got my amateur status back in 2006. So I competed in the Am myself. I tried to qualify in 2007 and didn't make it. And then 2008, I played. And then in 2009 was the first opportunity that the rules allowed us to caddy. So I I tried to qualify and didn't make it. And the USAM was at Southern Hills, and Peter Uline had asked me to caddy for him. And I told him, well, sure, I'll do it if I don't make it, because I want to kick your ass. You know, <laughs> I was trying to win the USAM. love it. And um, unfortunately, I didn't make that amateur. And that amateur at Southern Hills, we actually had six guys make match play out of 64. And they were set up to where – they wouldn't meet each other until the round of 16. But then I think after one match, we were down to just two guys. And after two matches, it was just Peter. But we had a good experience that week. Peter was playing well enough to win the amateur. Ended up losing in a playoff in the quarterfinal. That got him onto the Walker Cup team. So then he asked me to caddy for him again the following year at the USAM. And I stupidly tried to qualify for that one, and I didn't make it. So I agreed I would caddy again, and it was a good thing that I didn't because Chambers Bay was way too much golf course for me. I wouldn't have been able to play worth a darn there, but it was a real treat to be there by Peter's side when he won. And then kind of fast forward with the year Victor um, won the AM, I was actually supposed to caddy for Matt Wolf. He had asked me, you know, leading into that summer, I had walked a lot with him as a freshman and uh, he had asked me but he had to withdraw he had an injury and had to withdraw so i can't remember exactly how it stumbled in but victor needed a caddy so he asked me to do it and um, we had a good week then this year at the am i actually started out the week caddying for austin ecroad i caddied for him at the previous year's amateur at pinehurst and he had lost in the first round so you know he asked me to caddy for him this year I caddied for him in the two-stroke play rounds, and he played good the first day in the wind and not very good the next day. So I think he ended up missing the cut by a shot. And Amon got in as an alternate. I had encouraged our guys. I knew enough from talking to friends at the USGA that the field was going to go really deep. They didn't have a qualifying this year, so they went off of rankings, and Amon wasn't ranked anywhere near high enough to be exempt, but I told him, go ahead and enter anyway. Cause it's going to run through with COVID people weren't going to be able to make it. So he, and some of our other guys listened then about a week prior, he was the 20th alternate or something like that. Amon and I communicated and I said, go ahead and get a ticket, you know, cause you just never know. And sure enough, by the week, by the time the amateur was getting going, he was the first alternate where he had been the 20th and, and he got in when someone had to withdraw because of COVID He pushed a push cart the first two days and played very well. Actually, I think set the course record at Bannon Trails the first round. And then easily made it into match play. And I wasn't going to mess with success, but uh, he called, I guess that Tuesday afternoon and said, Hey, you know, could you caddy for me? I'd like you to caddy for me the rest of the way. So that's how that kind of happened. And it was a, an awesome week to watch him play. That was no fluke what he did. When Amon is good, he's really good. And, you know, it's a shame that the wind didn't keep blowing because he was sliding his ball so well and just gaining confidence as the week went. And, uh, but I think the world got to see what he was all about with some of the comebacks that he had. And I would have bet all the money I have uh, going to that final hole in that semifinal match after he won seventeen that that he was going to win the tournament and then win the u s amateur and i couldn 't believe it when he hit the lip there he had a he was just trying to hit an eight iron and and knock the ball down the fairway a little ways and and um, he just thinned it right into the lip i didn't think the lip was a factor at all but but it was a special week as any time you you're standing by uh, one of your players having success and that was really cool that almond let me uh, let me do that. And that's a memory I won't ever forget. It's a shame he didn't uh, advance on and win the amateur, but maybe he will this coming summer.
0: That's a great story.
1: Yeah. I got, I just got to believe having uh, zero experience, coaching anybody in anything, that experience of getting to walk a place like Bandon, uh, walking some of the other horses that you have with your guys, it's just gotta be, gotta be special. And so thanks for giving us a little bit of a peek, a uh, peek behind the curtain there. Coming up, I believe it's in May, you mentioned the Walker Cup. Tell us uh, tell us a, a, maybe a case for support for uh, Austin to make the squad. Obviously, ranked very highly in the amateur golf rankings. Uh, would love to hear you stump for him a little bit. And then uh, Seminole, tell us about uh, what you like, what you don't like. Have you had an experience there? And uh, obviously a place we don't get to see a whole lot of, and I know a lot of folks are excited about.
2: Yeah, we've been fortunate at Oklahoma State to have a lot of uh, guys make the Walker Cup team. I mean, uh, back to, you know, I'm, I was fortunate to be one of those Walker Cuppers, and I mentioned my kind of path to Oklahoma State. I had a conversation with Scott Burplank recently that, uh he was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here, and one of those reasons was he, he played the Walker Cup, and it was either 84 or 85, and it was at. he told me this in a conversation and I had never shared with him, uh, he played at Pine Valley, and, you know, obviously the Walker Cup goes to classic, just famous, iconic venues like that. And he told me that he played there, and I told him that I knew that he had because I had a picture of him on my wall as a kid, and, and that was a goal of mine. So um, Seminole, certainly one of those venues. I don't have any experience at Seminole. I've never been there. The only time I've ever seen it was when they did the driving relief deal that Matt Wolf did this year that kind of kickstarted golf coming back in at Seminole. But I know it's a wonderful venue The people talk about it, their eyes light up and it's certainly a special place very much like what we, what I said about Prairie Dunes earlier, places like that, you know, you don't get to play every single day. So I know they'll have it in amazing condition. That's a perfect time of year in May to have the Walker cup. It's not ideal for the college season that the Walker cup is going to fall between uh, the conference championship, and the regional. But uh, in a one-off opportunity to go to a place like Seminole, you know that's, that's going to be a special place. And as far as Austin goes, I think he's a lock. I think he's a, a no-brainer for the team. Uh, he's wonderful in match play. He's, he's never lost a match a, at the national championship for Oklahoma State. Um, he's got a good track record in the U.S. junior prior to that. He hasn't done as well in the U.S. amateur as, as uh, I know he would like, but an exceptional player, a wonderful teammate, and uh, I think he's, he's a lock for the team. He's, I think, the fifth highest ranked U.S. amateur in the world, and I think he's ranked 13th or 14th right now something like that in the world he's third in the PJ tour u ranking and gosh he just finished 12th in a PJ tour event so i think uh the hay's kind of in the barn for him i can't imagine them not putting him on the team he just went down and and um they had a walker cup practice session over the christmas holiday and i know the usga loves him and and i expect him to be on the team and he'll continue to to prove that i think as this semester goes so couldn't, couldn't happen to a more deserving kid, and certainly he'll be a wonderful representative uh, for the U.S. team, and the kid's just a rock star in match play, so in my mind, uh, that's an absolute no-brainer.
0: Coach, you know, I know you and Jay Till could go down the wormhole and talk about all kinds of golf all architecture uh, and all the other crazy courses from coast to coast uh, that uh, that you guys have been able to play uh, and been fortunate enough to do so uh, over the, uh, the the last few years. But, you know, I, I want to throw some quick hitters at you uh, here, Coach. And and you talk Thanks. about, you know, Seminole, you talk about courses being, you know, in fantastic condition and just great courses. But, you know, you've got one right there in your backyard at Karsten Creek. And so, you know, I want to get your thoughts. And oftentimes – our guests will bristle at this because it's like asking them to choose from their children, which one they love best, but favorite hole at Karsten Creek and why
2: favorite hole at Karsten Creek's number 16. You know, I was playing golf here when we built Karsten Creek. So I've got a, i have got I think a unique kind of perspective on all that. I saw what we had before, what we've had since and I got to watch it built, but I love the 16th hole one. It's a great challenge. Uh, I love the visual when you, after you've hit your tee ball, the, the downhill second shot, it's the first glimpse you get of the lake. And I love the challenge of the green. The angle of the green is good. And then the depth perception always kind of throws you off. And then the way the wind comes in there, it's a tricky second shot. So I think it's a, a great challenge. It's a beautiful hole, you know, and, it, and it's just a, it's a really good test. And I, I like water on golf courses. So I think, Lake Louise is beautiful, and that's the, the first glimpse of it, and then you can even see the clubhouse off in the distance. So no question, that's my favorite hole at Karsten Creek.
0: Well, my golf balls love water on golf courses too, Coach, so I, I, can, I can relate.
1: My, my man Dayton Rose would want – you to know that I took a little money off of him birdieing 16 at Carson the last time I played there. So, uh, do wow,
2: like, that's, a, that's a good birdie. Uh, that you know, you must he was uh, must be a heck of a player if you uh, if you're able to take money off of Dayton.
1: Well, you know, uh, well, maybe it was a net Eagle as well. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you might have been getting a pop on it, bit, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, yeah. we'll I'll leave the details uh, up to everybody's imagination. As uh, as a guy who's really into logos, I gotta believe that the swinging Pete logo for a golf program or frankly for anything has to be one of the best in sports. And it's not even close. What What are your thoughts on that coach?
2: Uh, I agree. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, we talk about that in recruiting too. Our kids need to understand what that ro- logo represents. OSU golf has stood for excellence for a long, long time. And even down to that logo, uh, it's no accident that Pete's, you know, his positions in that finish and grip and everything is, uh, you know, Coach Holder took his time and made sure that stuff was right. It's not a, a logo like you'll see from a lot of schools where they might have their leg in the air or the club in some funky places. Uh, Pistol Pete's got pure action. You know, at, at OSU we do Elf things swing. right, <laughs> <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> he's got a great golf swing. And you know, we've we've been smart in that we haven't uh, we could sell more stuff with that logo on if we let it go out to other places, but. Carson Creek is the only place you can, you can get the logo. And, uh, again, we're proud of the fact that our tour players, almost every single one of them has it on their golf bag. And uh, we want those players to know they're a huge part of the program, all of our former players. And there's a lot of responsibility that goes with uh, putting that on your bag or having that on your shirt when you're carrying the bag that says uh, Oklahoma State Golf. You know, when you're representing the Swing and Pete logo, that's a big responsibility to uh, the past and, and the future, and and we talk to our guys about that responsibility and understanding the excellence that it represents. So, I'm glad you have that feeling about the uh, the logo, because uh, and again, there's been a lot of work go into that, and uh, hopefully, our guys are doing a good job of continuing to carry that
0: on into the future. Yeah, just a tremendous fraternity of guys, even on, on the PGA Tour, right, so that, that represent that orange and, and do so in a proud uh, manner. You see it each and every weekend uh, whenever you're watching the coverage there. So well,
2: Yeah, nope. none better than Ricky Fowler. I mean, a yeah, guy, yeah. For, for him to go out there on his own, nobody forced him to do that, but to wear orange on Sundays like he does, and the whole world knows why. I mean, he's been a, a great ambassador for Oklahoma State University in addition to, to uh, just, just OSU golf.
0: Well, Coach, here in Oklahoma City, one of our favorite 19th holes is obviously Chalk Sports Bar. We do a lot of work with those guys, and they're one of our big sponsors. I've been known to have a good time in Stillwater in my past as well, but you know, what would be uh, your favorite 19th hole there in Stillwater after a a tough round of golf at Karsten? (laughs)
2: Um, You know, I don't hit a whole lot of 19th holes, but... um... Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to go to Eskimo Joe's, I guess. That, that'd probably be, be the Can't go
1: wrong, right? Yeah, tried and true. <laughs> Give me some cheese fries. That sounds pretty good right now.
0: Yeah. Coach, you know, one, one of the segments that we always do with our guest is that we'd like to play a little word association game. And so we're going to throw three or four quick words at you here. First thing that comes to mind, I'm going to T.J.T. up here. He's going to throw those words at you. But kind of the first thing that comes to mind, and, uh, and we'll make them quick for you.
1: All right, Coach, here we All go. Right. First one on word association would be the word bedlam.
0: Ooh.
2: Yeah, I love it. I love competing with those guys. You know, I always think of football season, really, when it comes to bedlam, and we've been on the wrong side of that. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's one of the great, greatest rivalries in sports.
1: Totally agree. Let me throw kind of a word association. I guess a year association. 1995.
2: Mm, national championship.
1: Very nice. Yeah,
2: that's a that's an that's until we won the championship in 2018 as a coach. That was my uh, greatest experience in golf was winning that national championship with my best friends and teammates.
1: Well, let me try to tie that one to our next word association. A man by the name of Tiger Woods. Uh, The goat. Thank
2: you. Yeah, I mean, I I, that'll settle. I didn't get to I didn't get to see Jack Nicklaus in person a whole lot. You know, for all the accolades people give. Tiger Woods, uh, I still don't think they describe uh, how great he is and was at, uh, at the game of golf. And uh, I've been fortunate. I'll, I know that's not just one word, but I'm going to ramble anyway. Uh, I've been fortunate to see him and compete against him, you know, obviously even before he was on the tour. And I've got a huge amount of respect because when I've been around him since then, He's treated me with respect and treated me the same as he did when I was a peer. And uh, when I caddied for Victor in the 2019 Masters, one of the coolest experiences for me in golf was being there that week caddying for Victor. My son, Noah, uh, got to be there with me. And um, we were two of the – I think I was the first guy to shake Tiger's hand as he came out of the Butler cabin on his way – to the putting green to, for them to present the trophy. And Noah and I are in the background of video coverage that you see of that and then some of the pictures that were in uh, the national media. And And then he spent some time, I got to introduce my kids to Tiger at the U.S. Open when I caddied for Victor as well. Tiger was paired right behind Victor for the final round. And he was great to my kids, and That's a, that's a those are all moments that they won't ever forget. So uh, no doubt he's the GOAT.
1: Well, I, I can speak on behalf awesome. of our listeners. Thank you for not giving a one-word answer to that. <laughs> that was that great. Was awesome <laughs> stuff. I uh, got the chills going right now. Um, and I think it's probably another guy that gives, gives folks a lot of chills, certainly for uh, OSU sports, Boone Pickens. Give me word association on, on Mr. Boone.
2: Well, he changed the world for Oklahoma State. You know, the fact that what he's done for our university as a whole in athletics and outside of that, I mean, he's just a a difference maker, a game changer for our university. He changed the whole face of uh, how the world looks at Oklahoma State with his generosity and vision. And he knew he couldn't do it all himself. He inspired our fan base to give. And um, yeah, so you could never thank a guy like that or honor a guy like that enough
0: tremendous legacy. Absolutely. So, well, well, coach last segment here and we'll get you out of here. I, I we know you're busy and uh, obviously don't want to take up uh, any more time than what we already have. You've been so gracious with it. And we, we certainly appreciate it. Last segment, we like to call the short par four. So we're going to fire four questions at you, you know, kind of a, a, a golf centric questions, obviously, but a short answer or kind of thought about some of these questions, coach, and we'll get you out of here, but I'll, I'll tee it up. Tell us about your last round of golf coach.
2: My last round of golf, I actually played uh, some during COVID, and my youngest son Gunner has started playing a ton. He went from shooting a hundred in March to now he can shoot in the low seventies. So uh, he's oh. gotten me out there, out there uh, playing more golf. And it was Christmas Day at Carston Creek. It was a beautiful day, and I went out there with my wife and my kids and our dog, and and uh, it was a great day. The weather was perfect, and and uh, we had some fun.
1: Oh, yeah, heck, of a, is, heck of a Christmas that is day! Awesome, man. <laughs> Love that. All right, approach shot in on the short par four. Give me the golfer you find yourself cheering for the most on tour. And we got a caveat here, the non-OSU cowboy division.
2: Yeah, I was probably going to say it would be, you know, any of the OSU golfers. That's about the only time I watch golf. <laughs> uh, outside of that, it'd be Tiger Woods. It's great for the game to see him. I'm I'm fired up that he's back playing great again. And and like I say, that those major championships in 2019 – you know, we're special memories for us. So I root for Tiger always.
0: All right, coach, here we go. We're on the green birdie putt here. You've got one last round of golf. Where are you going to play it at?
2: I think Augusta national. I think Pebble beach and Augusta national are my favorite spots, but I may never get to play Augusta national again. So, so I I better (laughs) lean on that. If you just pay enough money, you can play Pebble beach, but um, I've been fortunate to, uh, to get to play Augusta when I, caddied for Peter Uline at the USAM. I got to caddy for him in the Masters. His dad set it up that uh, where I got to play, you have to have a member with you. So we got to stay in the clubhouse and play for a couple days in a row. So, yeah, I'd love to go back there and, and get to play it again. I dreamt of winning the Mid-Am and actually getting to play in the Masters, but I think my time has passed for that. But to play, I National, I'll take that.
1: Very cool. Well, we are making a movie about the life, the golf life of Alan Bratton. Tell us, uh, I don't know, I would actually qualify you as a famous golfer, uh, but what other famous golfer would play you in the movie about Alan Bratton?
2: You know, I think I'd go with Ricky Fowler. Um, I'm such a fan. I love the way he plays the game, and uh, he'd make my game look a whole lot better. So I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. He's
0: a handsome devil, too, right, Coach? Handsome devil. He's a
2: good-looking guy. Yeah, he plays an exciting game. We'd have to put put him on some stilts so that he can be tall enough, but they can do amazing things with cameras. And when I was recruiting him, when I was recruiting Ricky, I used to have a plan. You know, I would want to watch him for a few holes and then go watch some other players. And I couldn't stop watching him. I'd end up watching him all day because of the, the style, the way he plays the game, uh, the flair that he plays the game with. And, and I'd love to see him start doing that again. He used to shape the ball a lot. He plays the ball pretty straight now and has for a few years, but uh, that there's no shot that that guy can't hit. And and uh, no one I'd rather play, uh, you know, be me out there than him. Yeah, I want to be Ricky Fowler, so I guess, you know, we'll go that
0: way. That's awesome, Coach. Well, again, we, we certainly appreciate the time here, Coach. Uh, we're, we're wishing the best luck. I mean, get well, feel better in that regard first and foremost. Can't wait to get you back out there on the road with the team, and, uh, and good luck down in uh, Houston next week.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I'll probably be the most excited uh, golf coach in the country there after 19 days in, in quarantine. It's going to be good to be out on the golf course with our guys.
0: Well, Again, wishing you the best of luck this season, Coach. Uh, knock them dead out there, and uh, we'll be following you uh, for the next three or four months, man. Looking forward to it and, and can't wait to uh, hopefully meet you in person here one of these days uh, once the uh, the COVID stuff subsides and uh, maybe meet you out there at Karsten or something.
2: Yeah, you got it. Anytime. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, take care, Coach. And that was our chat with OSU head coach, Alan Bratton, uh, again, fantastic guy, just so generous with his time. I uh, can't thank him enough and uh, look forward to uh, following him in the entire OSU squad in the weeks and months to come uh, in this spring golf season. So, well, gang, this will wrap it up for this episode of the YSO podcast. Again, very special episode with Coach Bratton joining us for our Twitter followers out there. Again, you can keep up with my man, Jonathan Teal, uh, at Jonathan Teal on Twitter, and then at Jonathan W Teal on Instagram, uh, posting some great picks and some great comments about golf, and uh, always appreciate him uh, being with us uh, here in studio. And uh, remember, gang, To follow us over on the web, you can check us out at fantasysportspros.com or keep up with what we're doing on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, get out there and enjoy the walk.